Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I want you to stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, and go sign up for a newsletter. We have the link in the show notes, and you need to get on it now because it is full of information. Our Lit newsletter comes out once a week, and it has everything that's happening in the Lit community, including classes, workshops, retreats, free classes, on and on. Plus, we have blog with recipes, articles, and every week we have a PT corner written by one of the many PTs in our Lit community. So we can help you with knee pain, text neck issues, pelvic floor discomfort, so much more. So join our newsletter. Go to that link in the show notes. I'm Laura Hyman, and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others, so together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined by my gorgeous, amazing, brilliant co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So good to be here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so I was sent in a question. Here we go. This is from Lily. I trust you all so much. What suggestion would you give for new parents to raise kids that are going to become explorers and movers? I'll jump in. I think it's lead by example. It would be number one. Your kids will mirror you. So like my three kids are all different. One was just more reserved. One was, I'm talking as a child, super rambunctious, athletic. And the other one was met in the middle. And I've seen how they have changed as they've aged, as their interests have changed. But all three of them look at me and my husband And they see the value of movement. They see the fact that their mom and dad are still fit, still active, don't look their age. And it doesn't have to be just working out. I think it is how you model your lifestyle too. I think it's choosing to find the joy in things, choosing to find the fun in whatever you're doing, and then also giving yourself ample amounts of rest. I think I've learned over my years, especially when the kids were younger, burning the candle at both ends, that's not good for your mental health, your physical well-being. That's my number one, you know, model. And I do think you'd have to take initiative. If your kid wants to play basketball, you've got to be out there with them on the courts. You've got to sign them up for things. They can't get there by themselves. Maybe they aren't inclinated that way. You can find something else they're interested in. For example, like Betsy, my oldest, wasn't really a team sport person, but I knew she loved to dance. And so we suddenly found cheerleading, which was the all-star cheerleading that had the dance, had the performance in it. 
And then her little sister did it with her. And so they did it together and they did that for years together. And we did it as a family and especially as a trio going to different competitions. She still will come and travel with me to her little sister's competition. So finding stuff, I think, is what makes travel teams fun. They are a lot of money and they are a lot of time, but it's a thing that you can do together as a family as well. They're striking a balance for sure. Laura, I know you've Definitely have two different children in this aspect also, but both active. Number one is you have to model it. And it's just part of the ecosystem that you live in. And that's from a young age, going on walks or hikes or being outside and going to the playground. Because of my neuro background, I was really invested in those early years for good wiring. And we didn't really have Olivia in a stroller. As soon as she could walk, she would walk. And that might mean that we went slower, but children can walk a lot more than you think. And so just allowing them to explore instead of necessarily stuffing them in somewhere where they can't. So it isn't forcing anything, but kids do want to run around. I remember going to some museum and I think Olivia was maybe 18 months and she was like the only kid that wasn't in a stroller. But also when you talk about movers and explorers, it's like exploring and then also knowing the parameter. Like when you're here, this is what you have to do. And outside, you're also not micromanaging, but allowing them to explore their bodies too, because that's actually how they figure it out. I think it's really hard as parents. I'm much worse than my husband about this, especially as a PT of all the things that like, if you do this and you climb this high, what could happen? But there is so much value in loosening the reins a little bit and allowing them. I sent Kristen a meme yesterday about when we were growing up, we were just running around like crazy. We were on these merry-go-round, but you're standing and you run on it. And then you're really trying to flip people off, meaning have them tumble. And we didn't have anybody, teachers or parents sitting around going, oh, you need to go slower. And we figured it out. That's how you develop your nervous system. And so it's finding that own comfort and being a little okay and being uncomfortable that you need to let your kids explore their body and figure out what is going to make them scared. And then you come in and help out. But I think parenting is just a lot of being able to be close. And then as they get older, be a little less close, but always have that, like, I'm here for you and letting them explore. Because then I think they're already safe in their bodies and feel that ownership that you want them to have. And then they feel like I need to get up and move. My kids from a young age, I didn't have to tell them, just like your kids, to get up and go outside and play or whatever. They started to know, like, I've got this need to like move around. And this gets harder, obviously, with school sitting a lot more. But those early years really invest in that. And so get them out of the strollers, get them walking, even if it makes you slow down. It's so good for them to build their little bodies and really get to know their bodies, too. I love that you brought up the point about overprotecting them. And I think you will notice, Lily, if you have multiple children, the first ones are more cautious because they're your first. The third, second, especially the third one is like, let's go because they want to do what their siblings are doing. My favorite story about Bailey is she wanted these roller skates. She was young and her sister had them. And so she wanted them. And I remember the first few times she'd fall and she would cry and I would be like, I could tell she wasn't hurt. She was just stunned. She fell. And the big joke in my family was like, no blood, no Band-Aid, rub some dirt on it. There was no TLC from mom. But she was so adamant that we would hear her rolling. She rolled around the house during the winter. And we'd be like, 
are you okay? She'd be like, I'm okay. And then you'd hear her get up and go. And then she'd have like tears streaming down, but she was not going to say she was hurt because I was like, all right, if you get hurt, these are coming off. Yeah. They respond to us too. Obviously, if they're hurt, you don't say like, don't cry about this. They're able to determine for themselves, I am actually hurt and I do need help and I do need comfort and I do need a hug versus I fell, but I'm okay. I want to keep doing this. Okay. You want to do the next one? Yeah. So our friend Inga, one of our lit teachers wrote in and she said, hi, Kristen. One more question for the podcast. One of my regular privates just got diagnosed with acquired splay foot. What is that going to mean? And what could I do about it? Love and best Inga. And so I went ahead and wrote her back just to let her know what splay foot is. And just for people who probably don't know, it's a common diagnosis, but not often diagnosed, if that makes sense. Basically, splay foot is when your metatarsal, so think about the ball of the foot. Those are the heads of the metatarsals. They start to spread and you've got a what we call a transverse arch. People think of the longitudinal arch more often. We think of the arch of the foot. That's your longitudinal. Think it goes from the toes to the heel. You have a transverse arch that goes across the metatarsal heads. When we think about the foot, it's this very reactive, very springy, very propulsive structure. That's the beauty of the foot. That's why we're bipeds. If you look at an ape, it's a very flat, archless type of a foot. They don't need that springiness that we need. We can see that start to decrease in people for a variety of reasons. It can be from wearing high heels. You're jamming all the weight into the ball of the foot, what's going to happen? Those ligaments are going to stretch. It can be from being overweight. We see that with both the transverse and the longitudinal arch. It can be from just having a ligamentous issue, laxity, whether it's just a hypermobility or a rheumatoid. So there's a variety of reasons. The biggest thing that we would do for it on a physical therapy perspective would be strengthening those intrinsics, the small muscles of the feet. You've got several different groups of muscles in the foot. You've got the intrinsics, which are inside the foot themselves, very small, very localized musculature. And then you have the longer, bigger movers that come up into the shin that also move the toes, that move the feet, the foot and ankle. You want to be strengthening those because quite frankly, what do we do? Speaking of kids, we get these cute little baby shoes and we stick in shoes right when you're little. And I spend as little time in shoes. The only time I have them on is if my feet are cold, I put on slippers that have no support. So I might as well be barefoot because I recognize the benefit to challenging the strength of the foot. Actually, her question inspired my flow today where we worked on that foot, both agility and strength. We also did other areas of the body that have smaller muscles, but this idea of maintaining and restoring those intrinsics of the foot. So big one we used to do is grabbing marbles with your feet. I'd put a bunch of marbles down. You pick them up and put them back in the jar, scrunching towels, creating the arch are simple ways to work on strengthening. There's definitely going to be a balance. This can be a painful issue. Any type of ligamentous laxity can be painful. So you want to not overdo just enough, but any balance work that we do in lit is going to help some people in the short term, or maybe even in the long term, if it's pretty progressive, might need an orthotic of sort or some sort of insert. But there have been times if people are really flared up with any type of foot problem, plantar fasciitis, 
heel spurs. I'm going to let them wear a shoe when they're really hot and then try to get them out of that so they can work back on that strengthening. But Laura, what else do you have to say about splay foot or something of the like? I would say the same thing. And you'd be surprised how difficult that is fatiguing those little muscles get when you're just practicing like picking up a marble or scrunching up a towel. And similarly, this would be a place where an orthotic I would recommend for somebody to help them bridge that like a little Fred Flintstone foot, as I like to call them. I've taped some people as well because the tape can offer less than orthotic for sure, but a little bit more of that kind of lift for that transverse arch and getting them out of shoes because I've seen it primarily, honestly, in women of the high heels because it literally is like a smush right to the med heads. I have seen some men with it as well. So if you can get out of shoes and really work, maybe when you're watching TV or something, do some of those things because they're not fun exercises that people do. So you got to incorporate it in your daily habit and don't just brace it like with an orthotic because the problem's still going to be there. Speaking of, I remember my dad as an orthopedic surgeon had seen so many children with all kinds of foot issues. And he said, we're not putting shoes on these kids. And I'm so grateful for that because he said, like, the worst thing you can do, you put them in these dumb little shoes and they're clumping around. My brother, John, will describe it like his big earmuffs. You lose that sensation that you need, that inner hearing and listening and the formation of those three arches that create the arch of the foot. So get out of shoes. I want to share with you a little secret I have. This secret is this amazing skincare line that I've been using now for a year. Now, I am a product queen. It is the one thing I spend money on. I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, but I love products. And I love skincare products because I want my skin to really reflect and showcase how I feel inside. But this is honestly the best product I've ever tried. And I love the fact that it's vegan. It's all natural. You could literally eat it because it's totally organic. Herbal face food. It's the most potent anti-aging, multi-correction, antiviral skincare on the market. It's magic. I can't even describe it. I use a little bit of Serum One a few times a week and it tightens up my skin. And then it also kind of whitens it a little bit, makes it feel like all the sun damage disappears. But you can go for the Serum 2, which is like the correction, and that goes into the more sun-damaged areas. So you're just going to have to try it for yourself. So go to the show notes and hit the link. Lara 20 is the code for 20% off herbal face food. I love it. I want to share it with you all. Okay. So this is from Louisa. I have been going to a Cairo for over three years for neck pain. Feels good temporarily, and then it hurts again. What am I missing? I have actually seen quite a few of these people, and I'm sure KB has as well. And let me be clear, there's a place for chiropractors who really know what they're doing, especially if they're not doing big mobilizations. But like she said, it's a temporary solution to whatever that might be. So I'm imagining this is what I've seen recently, even with privates. Head is off-center, and maybe coupled with 15 years ago, was in a car accident, whiplash, you know, some kind of cumulative stuff. And then you go and see PT or you see a chiropractor and you get adjusted. And yeah, it feels good because all of a sudden you're taking a little bit of that load and demand off of these small muscles around the neck. But that's only going to be temporary because you're going to go back into your regular position. I actually look everywhere because the neck is supported all the way down by the feet. So how are they standing? Like I just had a private the other day and 
very same situation. I've seen chiropractor for a long time, has a lot of neck pain. And I looked at her posture and I said, well, here's the thing I see. And that is your pelvis is anteriorly tilted. You're going to do all this stuff on trying to release your neck, reposition your neck, realign it, et cetera. And it's not going to be able to do much because when your pelvis is tilted forward, you're getting an increased lumbar curve. And the lumbar curve is what's called sympathetic to cervical. They're both lordotic. They're both the secondary curves that develop in our development. And so they're explorative curves versus our primary curves are protective. And so one of them does, the other one is going to follow. If you're always pitched forward and you're trying to correct your neck, pitch forward in your pelvis, it's really going to be hard to make any significant changes. So one thing that I would really try and do is look at your whole posture. Is it actually your neck? Your neck might be the victim. How is your pelvis aligned? Are you locking your knees back and you're pitching your pelvis forward? Is your rib cage stacked over your pelvis? Your neck is at the very top of the chain. And while it might be having the most amount of pain, I would absolutely go to somebody who's going to look at your whole body. Because if you have the same discomfort, pain, issues, whatever it might be, over this amount of time, it's not just your neck. Something else is happening. And that would be my biggest recommendation. And then the second thing is, what does your chiropractor tell you to do when you're not there? I'm sure most chiropractors, again, just like most PTs, are going to give you some kind of exercises, postural tips to work on. And then are you doing those? And if you are, and there's not a change, it still look below the neck, but you got to do the exercises. We always joke in the PT world, handing out exercises, you know that's just going to go in the recycling for most people because it's boring. That's why you have to make it globally functional and fun because most of these exercises, people aren't doing them. Whenever someone says to me, my chiropractors recommend I come three times a week or two times a week for six weeks or two months, to me, that's a huge red flag because that is unnecessary spending. And that is, to me, every indication that they are very narrow-minded. And it's the same thing for physical therapists. And I'm not just hating on chiropractors. In fact, I do spinal manipulation. I do spinal adjustments. To your point, Laura, they have their place to temporarily recenter what might be a little bit off. But we need to do the work. And if they aren't giving you the work, that's red flag number one. Or if they're not adjusting based on, oh, you come back, let's do the same thing again. You do your same three exercises, see you in a month. That's not cutting the mustard. That's not the answer. Like you said, Laura, you got to look elsewhere. And you have to do it, even with physical therapy exercises. You can't just do that. Looking at the full body, you need to bring it into your life. So much of my questions revolve around, okay, so I know you heard this one, and I know it hurts at this point in time. But what are you doing for the majority of your day? And let's talk about why is your neck the victim? To your point, Laura, your client had the anteriorly tilted pelvis. Probably the ribs were shifted in such a way to compensate for that, which the neck was paying the price for. Eventually, so will the low back and maybe the knees. You know, it starts this spiraling effect where it just gains momentum as we stay in these suboptimal postures. And that, to be clear, does not mean you need to walk around like you have a rod going through your spine at all times. This just means that you need to be aware of where you hang out in most. And I know I 
tend to have a forward head. I'm the classic anteriorly tilted forward head. It's from years of dance, years of gymnastics. It's wired in being a runner. All of that is wired into my DNA now. So I think about it every day, not all day long, but I'll be like, let me come out of it. And what you're doing each and every time you do that, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect all day long. But every time you recognize I'm in my forward head, I'm slouching, my pelvis is tilting, you come out of it. You've just given your muscles, like the ones that are constantly on tone, a little break. You've given the other ones a little smack across the face. It's time for those deep cervical flexors to work. It's time for the core to turn on. It's time for the glutes to work. We are a system. We're bipedal. We are meant to be upright against gravity with these spinal curves that are very well balanced. Most of us are not because we sit all day and that's life. We can't change that. But what can we do throughout the day to start to retrain or just give them a break? If I know I'm going to be on a long trip and I know I'm going to get lazy, I'm changing positions a lot. Also, if I'm driving and I can't do like I would in the passenger seat, I'm putting a little lumbar support back there and then I'm taking it out and I'm letting myself slouch for 30 minutes and then I go back. So thinking about things in terms of how much work is my neck doing and why? What can I do to alleviate that? And a lot of times, if the next stuff isn't cutting it, it's because you got something else down below that is part of the problem. And I love what you said, like, this is daily for life. This is truly mindfulness that is so easy to practice. When people talk about inner focus, this is the inner focus. It's the interoceptive qualities that we're going for and the proprioceptive, meaning what do I feel like inside? How am I breathing? How am I aligned? It's not going to happen 24-7. But if you can have it part of this habit that you're checking in, and then when you are truly trying to relax, you just get yourself in a nice relaxed position and you don't have to overanalyze it. When we think about the body, we often think about this quick fix or quick change isn't it way more fascinating to think we're living in this ever-changing environment and we are going to benefit the most by paying attention every day and by making small shifts every day. And that's a way of actually honing your focus as well. When there's so much going on, you can just really start to think, am I sitting up in a way that's supporting my neck? And if not, how can I do it? And of course, we have tons of lit classes on all of this. I hope that answered your question. And for anybody who's out there who has this continual chronic condition that you feel like is not changing, then you need to change something and go to somebody who's going to, again, look at the entire body and then also talk about your day, how you're spending your day, what's your stress like, all the other things. So it's muscular, it's structural, it's emotional, it's the whole gamut. And I think that people also expect a permanent fix. And I have this conversation, Laura, a lot with our teachers. We do a teacher training for our method. And these people are learning a lot about the body and a lot about posture and a lot about how we move differently on the mat. And they get frustrated at times because they're like, every time I lower from plank, I have to think and my shoulders want to do this. And I say to them, do you realize that I think about it every single time, and I'm sure Laura does too, they think that we figured it out and it just happens now. I'm like, no, 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 no. Every time you see me practice, every move, every position I'm thinking about, 
that's the fun part. Think about in your life how few strung together moments there are where you are truly just paying attention to you and the feelings you have in your body and the awareness. There's not many, but the carryover of practicing on the mat does help. Like I went on a hour-long hike with my husband just a little while ago. I am focused on my steps and I am focused on where I'm stepping. There's lots of rocks and leaves and I'm focused on how I'm holding my carry. I'm not overanalyzing it, but I'm not spacing out. I am in it. And I think that's really what this practice is supposed to do is make you be more awake and more aware. It's probably the difference because we've been doing it longer. It's a kind of laser quick determination and we feel it. Our responsiveness is quicker. When we talk about lit being improving brain body communication, this is it. We can figure it out quicker. That doesn't mean we're not thinking about it. Well, these are great questions. As always, you guys write the best questions. I love them. Please send them either right to social media. This is where a bunch of these came from. You can direct message me at laura.hyman or Kristen at kbwilliams99 or Redefining Yoga Podcast. You could go to that handle and direct message. We will screenshot and always go through those. You can also email us at support at lityoga.com. That's where my question came from. It gets forwarded or by now these people sometimes know my email. They email me direct, but we will put them in our little folder and get to them. Always remember, please rate, review, subscribe. We aren't coming as often, so you don't get us every week. You get us every other week now, at least for the Wednesday Q&A which I hope you guys are really cherishing these moments that we have because we sure do. We do. We appreciate your support and share with friends too. And if your friends have a question, and remember, you can always write that you don't want us to share your name and that's fine as well. So we're just so grateful for you. And as always, we're pulling for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Redefining Movement. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know. Check us out at www.litmethod.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.